and we're on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, and I don't know if you can hear in the background, but we got sirens and horns galore. So, yeah, really are on the road. <laughs> Feels very urban. I can't hear anything. So, okay, great. Well, just believe me, it's real. Okay. So, hey, so this is so, another one of those episodes hey, where I have no idea what we're talking about. Living in the question, as we do. Um, I have, well, I'm in between going to the theater. So I don't have any theater reviews. Oh, I'm lying. No, actually, there's something I was waiting to, to until it opened that I can talk about. But I don't have any Broadway shows as the Broadway is wrapping up its its current season um, that I can talk about. But I wanted to talk about something that I briefly alluded to on our sibling podcast. Um, and I don't want to talk at length because I don't want to give it too much life. But have you heard anything about this week, The Ringer ranked the 50 best romantic comedies of all time? Oh, I did not know that. So I don't really care for The Ringer. It was originally Grantland, Bill Simmons' baby, and then it it stopped and then it was basically repurposed as The Ringer. And it's a lot of um, uh, mostly millennial, some Gen X critics who all kind of come from very privileged backgrounds. If you look at their um, like bios, as I have over the years, like they all went to like private schools and fancy colleges and stuff uh, and use big words, but really see through a very narrow prism uh, of, of things. Uh, at least that has been my experience in listening to the podcast and reading some of the reviews. So that's prelude. They did a 50 best rom-coms, and I just, I think it's amazing because I was looking at the list and I, you know, they put a lot of things that I would have never put in a, a best of, like how to lose a guy in 10 days and 13 going on 30. Like there's a lot of like post 2002, 2003 entries that I just wouldn't necessarily have ever exalted in any way, shape or form. Some of the romantic comedies I would include are well-represented, Moonstruck, Working Girl are in there. That's great. I think number one and two are Pretty Woman and When Harry Met Sally. That's great because I would rank them really, really high. There's only one movie before 1980 that's even on this list. And it's Harold and Maude. Yeah. (laughs) I'm looking at it right now. Okay, well, and you got male hit number three. I love that movie. I like it. For me, I would never rank it that high, but I don't have a problem with it being on this list. Um and, oh, the wedding singer I, made it too. Yeah, which I, I which I very much agree with. I would rank that even higher. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there are good entries, and there are entries that I may have quibbles with, but but it's not you know like worth dying on any hill for. Um, but it's just the idea, and I don't think it's qualified in any way that it's like since 1970 these are the best. It's literally like they just don't know of anything that existed in the first 70 years of, of filmmaking. Yeah, like I wouldn't I wouldn't put the wedding planner on this list. No. Like I don't know. Like the wedding planner should not be on this list. No. But if you wanted to have a list that included the, the wedding planner and you balanced it out by, say, I don't know, My Man Godfrey or Bringing Up Baby or The Awful Truth or whatever. Pick from the decade you want, but make there be more decades than the 80s, 90s, and aughts. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Part of me wonders if it was almost deliberate just to get people talking and, and have it go viral, which if they did, okay, 
I give you well, a point. I mean, I but I don't know. The thing is, like, who knows apart from, like, us nerds about My Man Godfrey, right? Like, that, that's well, not going to make the internet happy, right? That's the, well, that's the thing. That That's not really going to draw clickbait. Right. Um, but... Which is really if, too bad because if well, you have it is too bad because educate here, people, yeah, yeah. Like if you have fifty things on here that'll bring them over, like maybe one of them will go, "My man Godfrey, that sounds kind of fun. I think I will go check it out." Yeah, yeah. Oh, that sounds cool. Or oh, I remember him from X Y Z movie. So maybe right. I would also like this. Something like that. No. Um. Like I said, probably not worth dwelling on beyond that. And I've already drawn your attention to it, but I just wanted to say this list was very wrong, but also kind of right for the things that got right. It got really right. So I ain't mad at them, but I do feel, but I do feel better than them. So this begs the question, what do you think was sort of like the best decade for rom-coms? It's the 1930s and it's the 1980s. Because they're the very 19- different. Because they're both the very 1990s. different. I think it's the what? 1990s. You do? I do. I think it's the 90s more so than the 80s. What do you think are I will agree with some the 30s, of the best. But I, 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 well, okay. So the 1990s, we had like uh, the, the whole Nora Ephron, right? Like with yeah. When Harry yeah. Met Sally and we had. Well, When Harry Met Sally is an 80s movie. So that's why, it that's partly why not. I tip. 89. It counts. It's an 80s movie? Yeah. 89. I a 90s movie. No, but she did have Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail. Yeah, okay. So so the toes were the toe was sort of it was craw- we're crawling towards the 90s. I'm going to be I'm going to be a real strict interpretationist here. And Pretty Woman was in the and I mean I guess you can say well Mystic Pizza was before that, but I think that I don't think Mystic Pizza <laughs> is all that good, right? I mean, it's good, but as far as like a rom- a rom-com goes, I don't I don't see the calm very much in that rom-com um it was, no that's more of like a coming of age movie yeah it was me. yeah way more of coming of age so i don't know like i just kind of feel like we had all of those like really great meg ryan movies and we had all those really great and the julia roberts richard gear pairings and then we had like you know 10 things i hate about you which i think is a really yeah that's good a good movie. movie that's a good movie um i you know bridget jones's diary was in there high fidelity which i know these are all on the list but you know it's like making me remember <laughs> Um, what these were. And like, I don't know. I just really feel like the nineties had the better rom-coms, uh, the wedding planner aside. Was wedding planner even two thousands? I thought it was the nineties, like late, late, late nineties. I'm remembering it being like 2000, 2001, but don't, don't hold me to that. Um, I actually, and I'm, I'm, I haven't seen it. I've never seen it. So I I can't offer a full opinion. I feel like the 80s were better with the coming of age movies because that's when you had like Stand By Me. Yeah, um, which was exactly what I was going to say. Princess Bride even in a sense. Yeah. 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 Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like you had all of these coming of age movies. And again, Mystic Pizza would fall into that. Um, that I think were like stronger than rom-coms. Yeah, I mean, I give you, I think '80s are definitely the best for teen and coming-of-age movies because you had all the John Hughes's, yeah. um, and then even like the wannabes, like something like Weird Science is still good too. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna throw out um, the Goonies. Goonies is one of the best, the one of the best. Never say die. But I was gonna <laughs> let me just throw out what I think some of the landmark '80s rom-coms are. Um, so. My favorite, Tootsie. Uh, I said Moonstruck. I said Working Girl. 
when Harry met Sally, I think we've discussed this before, romancing the stone. Oh, yeah, that's true. So there's still a lot of good ones. That was early in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, it does does feel early. But, okay, so, I mean, there were a lot of good ones in the 80s, but I still really feel like the the genre, like – the the 90s were sort of the decade of the of the rom-com and even uh drew barrymore had what was that one she was in that i absolutely loved um never been kissed yes yeah i like that one that cinderella she's good in that one cinderella tale or something like that yeah it was what oh she did well she did ever after right that was the cinderella one oh maybe it was ever after but i also love never been kissed yeah Uh, i do like never been kissed she had a few like she had a few really great rom-coms like i don't know i just feel like that was the that was the decade that was the decade i think that's fair you know i think you can pick and like you can pick out some exceptional rom-coms from the 80s and again tootsie i might even argue wasn't a rom-com i think it's more than that but i think it still falls uh, within the category of romantic comedy mm. i'll, I'll hold anyway. to that but i'm not gonna fight I, I'm, um, I'm never gonna fight you well i'm not gonna fight with the romance author about <laughs> what's the best decade for rom-coms <laughs> no you can you totally well, I mean, can. I've given you, I've given you my my evidence, but um. Anita Gates says, we but need the, to fight I more. think the I think the important <laughs> thing is that we both align on the thirties. We do align on the thirties, which is basically the template for everything. Yeah. Although, and I'll say this too because I've talked about it before. You know where you find the modern day interpolation of of all of the nineteen thirties romantic comedies on the Hallmark Channel. Oh, there's a good point. The meet cutes and the miscommunications and all of that, that's actually where you see them now. And yes, largely they follow a big uh, formula, but nonetheless, I think that's actually where they have uh, evolved. I am going to have to do some like new watching of 1930s comedies because that's super interesting. Yeah, because we've been watching a lot of TCM together during COVID, and um, now that we've also been watching Hallmark, we we can draw the, the lines in a very direct path. That is super interesting, and I would much rather watch the 30s movies than I mean, the, they are amazing. They are amazing. So, know you know, that, that list is remiss. What can I say? Okay. So this was an interesting diversion. Yeah, you know, it's always, it's fun to, when the, when people put those lists together. It's always fun yeah. to, 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 to get going. You know what I don't think is on that list, which is another film that I personally love that I think is a great rom-com uh, from the 80s? Roxanne with Steve Martin and Daryl Hannah. The I don't know why movie. I never liked that movie. <gasps> Karen! I know! Never liked it. And you know what? I've actually never really liked the Cyrano story. Well, do I have something to tell you? You I just recently saw Cyrano de Bergerac on stage. (laughs) Now, okay. I wanted to, I'm glad you did because I want to talk about this because I was reading some reviews of it because I do love James McAvoy. And, and I thought it was one of the things that one of the critics was saying that I thought was really interesting was that James McAvoy is not ugly. 
Yeah, and but it's, nor it's more than that. Yeah. Nor does he do prosthetics to make himself so. And so what he's doing is he is a very beautiful man lamenting the fact that he is not beautiful. And they said that that was a very interesting twist. Um, and a fa- and and it really kind of like almost I don't know I'm gonna put I'm gonna get this wrong but almost made it like a Cyrano for now, right? Because like anyway, go ahead. I want to hear yours. I want no, hear but I mean that that hits on something, but it also hits on f- for what for me is the f- the fault of this whole piece, which started at the National Theater and is now playing at Brooklyn Academy of Music. It's it's a new version of Cyrano that is told in in almost like rap verse. Um, you know, much of the dialogue has been adapted. Um, and we have James McAvoy playing Cyrano. What do you know about Cyrano? That he had a big nose and that he had this unrequited love for Roxanne and that he channeled that love through the letters written by the soldier Christian. So, we don't it's it's actually still set in 1639 1640 whenever it's the play is originally set but this version they're all talking in a modern kind of rap and we have James McAvoy who is handsome af and jacked af playing Cyrano and still referring to his nose but without any makeup on so we don't see the nose First of all, even if James McAvoy did have a fake nose on, he'd still look hot. <laughs> He's just a hot man. <laughs> but so if you want to do it, you can do it one of two ways. You either just forget about the nose and just say, like, make up a reason to make this character somehow insecure. Or, or like, don't even, don't even mention the nose and just just have the plot be what this version of the plot is. But don't say, like, yeah, Cyrano is ugly can't get with women and like holds a torch for Roxanne, but he can't ever get with her because it doesn't make sense in the world of this play at all. What I will say is James McAvoy is riveting. It's an astonishing performance. It's one of the year's best performances. He's terrific, but who are we kidding? Like just make a different, just do a different play. And this has now happened a few times. Like we've had like um, a revival of Yerma a few years ago. We had a revival of Medea at Brooklyn Academy of Music right before the uh, pandemic began with Rose Byrne and Bobby Cannavale. And, you know, like the writers who adapted the piece from their classical roots basically like take them out of a shell, shake it up, and you're just kind of left with one element of the story, but you need all the elements of the story in place for it to work, or otherwise it's just something else. You have redefined it and just kept it in name only, and that's not really fair to the piece. Right. So I'm very torn on this Cyrano because it features a great performance, and by and large, the other actors who are all doing the same thing and, you know, like rhyming rap couplets sort of address, uh, almost concert style, are doing a very good job. It's a well dressed, well-directed, well-acted production. But how can this possibly be Cyrano? Mm. And there are other lines that rob the the work of its subtlety and of its tragedy. Um, you know, eventually the Roxanne character originally becomes a nun. She devotes her life to one of service. In this, 
Roxanne shows up late in the play to tell us that she's been with tons of guys and uses F-bombs. It's inelegant, <laughs> to say the least, but it's also like, then what's the point of any of this? If if your life is just kind of a common contemporary life, what are we doing? Mm. Also, this comes later. We're told this sort of late, though I don't think it counts as a spoiler, so I feel comfortable saying it. What never happens originally is that Cyrano admits that he's the one who was really the voice and was writing all these letters. That doesn't happen in the Cyrano de Bergerac Edmund Rustan wrote, but that's what happens in this version. Like, this version, I found it very frustrating as much as I found myself drawn into it. Interesting. Um, but I don't know. It's probably selling out. I know it was ass expensive because I bought balcony seats and they were still hundreds of dollars. So, oh my God, so I can really? only I can only imagine what luck people will have getting tickets now. Yeah. Ugh, Jesus. Why is everything so expensive? Again, <laughs> hard hard to uh, change the stage and really build bridges to your audiences when, when you're selling tickets like that. But that's... Well, I mean, yeah. So here's my question, right? Like, was it, like, was it worth it? Yes. And if that were one of maybe one or two shows or nights at the theater I would spend money on in a year, totally worth it. If I'm someone like me who wants to see more than that, then I have to say no to a bunch of things. And this would probably have been one of the things I would have said no to because it was just too much of an extravagance to to make it worth it on a regular theater attending basis. Wow. Especially to the balcony, which like I have vertigo already, like it was already high. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, okay, because when I saw um, uh, uh, Hillary and Clinton, I was balcony and I was like nosebleeds, but the tickets were 50 bucks. Yeah, I got I, I got a similar ticket and sat in the balcony and I was like, well, I'm getting still everything out of this show. So this is OK. Right. And it was to- and I was and I was fine with that. But like I couldn't I couldn't imagine spending hundreds of dollars no. and being stuck way the fuck up there and being like you're an aunt right when you're looking at the actors yeah <laughs> and yeah and no i couldn't no I'd, I'd have been pissed that's a lot of money yeah it's so you know enough time goes by between spending the money and going to see the show that it's not top of mind i'm glad i went because i wanted to know what this was and i wanted to see him i really do think james mcavoy is one of the great leading talents of his generation of, of film actors, but it's also nice to get to see him do theater. Um, and so I wanted to know what that is. And I wanted to be able to have a moment like this where I can actually champion him as I pretty much assumed I would be able to, cause I wanted to see him do the stuff and he does it so well, but, but, it, but it, you know, comes at the cost of doing something else in the end or, or, or several other things in the end. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just still kind of floored by, you know, several hundred dollars for tickets. That's yeah. Jesus Christ. That's obscene. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what two orchestra tickets would have been for us, but probably 400 something, maybe closer to 500. No, I'm, I'm thinking together. Oh, together. Okay. Yeah. But even then, but that's, that's a lot that's of a money. Lot. Yeah. $500 for two hours. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably two thirty-five or whatever, but same. The point is the same. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's a lot of money. I mean, that really. I, I mean, that really is. That's one of those things where I'd have to like, where I stop and go, "Oh my god, that's like not one car payment. That's two car payments." Right. Right. 
you know, um, you know, you really start thinking about what that you start prorating your rent or whatever. Yeah, 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 like that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm sort of like prorating my housing and yeah. like you know what? Oh well, that's you know th- that's. Uh, that's a month's worth of groceries or you know what I mean? Like that I'm kind of disgusted by that. And I know, know, I'm glad I brought that up. Yeah. And I know ticket prices have been like that outrageously high for a very long time. And, and and I'm sure that they're just kind of like, well, that's the ticket price and that's on average, but I don't know, kind of hearing that and talking about it right now and also being in a financially precarious situation. Mm -hmm. I'm really kind of like, ew, like no it wonder is people achy, doesn't right? go to the yeah. theater. Like no yeah. wonder people yeah. don't go to the theater. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either, because that price is outrageous. Yeah, I would see. I would imagine it turns a lot of people away. Like who? Who is this for? It's only for the wealthy. Yeah, that's precisely the answer. And you know, truthfully, you know, to everybody who's moaning that people don't go to the theater anymore, it's like, well, when you're confronted with ticket prices like that, you can't afford to go to the theater more than once a year. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. You know, I mean, and like, so let's say you want to do something really nice and you say, let me buy tickets for an evening of theater with my family. Like, then you also have to be very choosy, not just yeah. on like what not just on like I'm only going to go once, but like what that one thing is. Because it's really got to be something you enjoy and understand and all of that. Total splurge. Yeah. Like I want, yeah, yeah, it's a splurge. And that's the thing. I'm going to want to guarantee that I'm going to like it. Right. Like if I'm going to be spending that kind of money, I want to guarantee that I'm going to enjoy myself and I'm going to get something out of it and it's going to be meaty, but it's also going to be fun. And it's going to, you know, like, like that, I want that guarantee. Yeah. And, and I don't even know where you get that guarantee anymore because it's not from the critics. Right. Like, I don't really trust what they have. No, it's uh, no. I mean, I I feel like that's that's why people turn to star vehicles. Yeah, because you're like, well, at least I get to see James McAvoy perform or at least I get to see Hugh Jackman. Exactly. And and following that, then at least I can tell people that I saw that show with Hugh Jackman or that I got to see James McAvoy on stage or I got to see Billy Crystal, something like that. Right. Right. Oh, I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm actively angry about this now. <laughs> actively angry. You had to pay that kind of money, although I know that you're not up angry about it. So I'm you know. I'm, you know, resigned is, I suppose, resi- the best <laughs> word. Yeah. Which is why I can never resign from any job because I still pay shit like that to go to the theater. Yeah. But I just I mean, I just think that that's fucking shameful and, you know, and speaks to everything that's wrong in our culture. And, you know, the fact that on the one hand, the the people involved in the art making are railing against this sort of oligarchy that we have in this country and yet are also complicit in it. It's all wrapped up. It It, it is. Um, yeah. Because, you know, when you can afford to go to the theater on those prices repeatedly, you're an oligarch. <laughs> Like, yeah. you know what I, right? I mean, like, if you can afford that, you know, several times a year, then then you're uber wealthy. Right. If you think you're existing in such and such a space, but you're able to do this and do so blithely, you're actually in such and such a different kind of space. Yes. And it's important to check that. Yes, indeed. 
So anyway, I don't know. I don't know. I knew that prices were like this. I don't know why it just hit me now. (laughs) Maybe it's like pregnancy and you have to forget just to keep going around. I mean, possibly. I guess it's because. (laughs) You know, I I think it's because I don't think that I know any or knew anybody that paid that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because and so having you say that you paid that is making me go, whoa, holy shit. You know, because, I mean, we get a lot of comps. Yeah. I see a lot of theater for nothing. Um, The things that I do spend money on are, you know, I'm careful, right? Absolutely. Like um, like Hillary and Clinton, 50 bucks. I will spend that. Um, You know, I was like, I'll, yeah, hell yeah, take my money. Like, that's a really good price. And when I went to see Harry Potter, I think it was like $75 um. For, a piece or maybe a hundred for our tickets, but that was the two shows. Yeah. I I was was going to say, and that's for, that's a whole day's worth of theater. That was a day and a night. Like that was like five hours of theater. And I knew it was something that my daughter really wanted to go see. And I knew that even that was Jack Thorne. (laughs) Um, The, the, you know, it was going to be worth being in the theater because the stagecraft would be excellent. And it was. Spectacle. Yeah, totally. And you can see your money on the stage. Right. The stagecraft was wonderful. And the, just even being in the theater was absolutely magical with how they had transformed it into, you know, this sort of like, you know, the, the world building was even part of the theater. Like they made that part of the world building. You know, so that was, I was like, okay, we're spending money here and I'm okay with that. But, you know, I couldn't do like even even at a hundred bucks a pop or whatever, whatever it was that I paid, like I still couldn't even afford that every month. No, you couldn't do it on the regular. Like I could not do that on the regular. I could not. Um, I don't even think I could do the fifty dollars on the regular with Hillary no. and Clinton. You know, no, I mean, that whole thing was a doable. special thing. You happened yeah. to be on a work trip in New York, and you wanted to be able to take advantage from of something that was running and wouldn't break the bank and so a one-time ticket of 50 bucks for a show that's well written and stars john lithgow and laurie metcalf yeah not such a bad investment yeah but you couldn't do it but you couldn't do it every other week you I couldn't could do it every do other it every month week. i couldn't do it every week i mean maybe i could do it once a month if it was 50 dollars, but i certainly couldn't do it every week yeah um you know so i don't know it's just i i guess maybe just having like i said just having you actually say it and me being like, do I know any? And just going, I don't think I know anybody who's who's had to spend that kind of money to go to the theater. And and sort of like hearing you say it was just kind of like, wow, I have a friend who for potentially for went, you know, a couple of dinners out or yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, what did my you know, what did my friend sacrifice to be able to? Yeah, because it will always come at the literal expense of something else. It's going to be at the the expense of something else, you know, and and then you think, okay, well, it was dinners out or whatever, whatever. But then it's like, well, you know, I mean, if you're, you know, for me right now to spend that kind of money, that is like literally me doing the math and saying, well, what can I pay for with that money? Yeah. You know, anyway, that was a tangent. No, that's our discussion. That's this is this is what we do. I know. And clearly, I never want to work in theater again. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I think the message is clear. Give us more comps. Because I'm just, I'm just savaging the industry. But like, hey, look, you know, who's gonna say it if not me? Well, that's 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 exactly right. 
Everybody else is allowed to shit on it. Why not me? <laughs> anyway, anything? Did you see anything else this week? You know, we're in the middle of a bunch of shows, so I'm probably going to reserve judgment. Um, but for those who want to play along, like Karen and I talked about last week, uh, we're watching Julia on HBO Max. Uh, my fiance and I, yes, still, still am. Um, we're watching The Girl from Plainville on Hulu. Oh. Um, which I, I don't know many of the details of the real life case so uh i'm i'm learning as i go and what what else we did finish severance but i'm gonna think about that a little bit more before i make my official weigh-in and i'm about to start watching the flight attendant season two on hbo max okay did you see season one i did not okay i uh i would recommend it actually yeah, I know. You actually, yeah, you had recommended it, and I just haven't watched it yet. Um, and I think you would know real quick if it's just not a show for you. But I think okay. you would like it. I'm not sure at all that there's enough room to really create an interesting second season, but I'll give it a whirl. Um, and at some point, I will weigh in on the new Showtime mini, The First Lady. Hmm. Do you okay. know anything about that? No, I know nothing about that, and I don't have showtime. So. It is three different first ladies, um, and I guess there are, there are three different subplots. Are we we just keep going back and forth among them? But it's Gillian Anderson as Eleanor Roosevelt, Viola Davis as Michelle Obama, and uh, most relevantly, Michelle Pfeiffer as Betty Ford. And my, I'm going to go out in a tiny little limb and say the show is so-so, but I bet the Betty Ford thread is pretty good and well acted. Okay. Okay. You know, I actually heard uh, they were talking about this on NPR this morning. And, oh. Oh, wow. And, and the gist was, I mean, the, the their sort of, like, takeaway was that the acting, the actresses are fabulous. And the, and rest the material of is, is eh. not. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the impression I get. I think the... I think Viola Davis is a producer on. I think the intent is that this can be a a series that regenerates, <laughs> like with different housewives. Excuse me, not housewives, first ladies. Um, <laughs> Was whoops. that really an accident? <laughs> um, but it's but I mean like. Like, what am I going to do? Watch a season uh, with like Elle Fanning playing Abigail Van Buren? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Th- I'm not sure the 44 or 45 or however many different potential threads will really all right. be able I mean, to are they support the statement like, story? The Crown, but the U.S. version, right? Like that's sort of. It seems like it seems like that. That's the, the most analogous thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like which, kind of can, but it kind of can't be that. No, because the 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 they're very different things. It's a very different thing. Yeah, it's a very very different thing. The monarchy is a very different thing from what we have here. So. So we'll see. Oh, I'll give it. I, I'll give it a, a good college try. Okay. And yeah, I feel like this kind of in the home stretch of the TV season. So a lot of things that had been gone and had been absent through the pandemic are starting to reemerge. Yes. Uh, like um, the show Barry is coming back to HBO, and I will watch that. Um, 
I feel like there's probably a couple others. But that's that's what will be keeping us busy. Yeah, I know the Mayans uh, into are coming June. back. Oh yeah, and, yes, we yeah, saw an after that. I'm really excited about, and I think like Peaky Blinders should be coming back. Soon. I think it is. Yes, I and think it is. Better Call Saul is finally back up yep. and running on. Better Call on Saul Netflix. is back. Uh, Stranger up. Things comes back in up. May. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of stuff on the horizon that we're but pretty excited about and i know a uh, yeah. movie released over the weekend that i wanted to see but they're not streaming it and it would require me going to the theater and i'm just still not up for doing that and it honestly has nothing to do with the pandemic i just don't want to go to the theater yeah well the, stream it at you know the people are always really the problem but now i have to bite what was the movie no, I don't remember what it was. Karen, you can't I see know. the movie if you don't know what it is. I know, but I remember I was like, I saw it, I heard about it. I was like, oh, I can't wait. To, that sounds really good. Where's it streaming? And it was like, wah, wah. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna do some research and maybe uh, bug you offline until we figure out what you're talking about. Yeah, because I wish I could remember what it was because I was like, that sounds really good, but not good enough to get me to the theater. Yeah, I think we're waiting. I don't think there's anything that's going to get us into the theater for a bit. Yeah, and like I said, like I'm not even really worried about COVID at this point because like we're all gonna we're all gonna get it. Like we're all getting COVID. Yeah. Like we're it's just a matter of time. Um, you know, and I'm all boosted and shit. But um but I just don't feel like going anywhere. Yeah, that's I mean, we've talked about it. we're busy enough and we're tired enough as it is. Uh yeah. Well that's exactly it. Like I don't have the I like if I can fit something in at 10 o'clock at night and not fall asleep, yeah. like that's going to be what, what I'm going to end up doing. Like I can't, I can't, I can't be at a, I can't be somewhere at a set time. Like I just can't, like there's just no way. Right. No, it's very difficult. Yeah. It's and just only so many things are really worth it. So exactly. no, I, I agree. Yeah. Especially knowing that I have to get there an hour before. Yeah. Cause God forbid I don't get my good seat. I know. It's, it's a process. It is. It's a process. It's a process. Although I know I just said that and I agreed with you, but I know that some point this summer, the new Top Gun is going to be released and I'm probably going to be have, like, no, Doug, you want to see this in the theater. I have zero interest in seeing that. I don't know why, but I'm like, this is a movie I have to see in the theater. I have zero interest in that. And I loved the first Top Gun. And maybe that's why. Because I love the first Top Gun, and I have, I'm like, don't do it, don't, don't, don't do it. There are, don't, there don't are like it. enough touch points going on there because I know that Jennifer Connelly is in it and John Hamm is in it that I'm just like, I want to see it. I don't want to see it, but then you shouldn't go. You no, should not you carve out those extra both. hours. <laughs> you can see it for both of us. I will, and I'll, I'll report back here. Um, I do think next week I will be reporting on the new Batman film, which is streaming, and we'll probably watch that this coming weekend. The one with Robert Pattinson. Oh, that's the one with Robert. What, what is that streaming on? HBO Max. It is? Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll, try, to, I'll try to carve time out to see that. So we it's long, so you do it. have to carve oh, a hefty shit. chunk. Oh, really? shit. Yeah. Begrudgingly, as uh, I, I think it's like just under three hours. Yeah. So I can always report in. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's a struggle i know i know i know and i have all this homework i have to do for like like i have to read all this stuff for a for like a a potential job so i'm like it's like 
Uh, so that's taking up a lot of my 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 free ha 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 time. So we can talk about that offline, though. I forgot to talk to you about that. Sure, you guys are missing out. We'll have to do a a post show or something. We'll do a post mortem if I if if this whole thing pans out. Good, something to look forward to. Yeah. All right. As you can tell, we have precious little free time, so we're gonna make a run for it. Yeah, I'm going to bed. But you guys have been great. And let us know what your favorite rom-coms are, and we'll talk to you next week on The Boulevard.